Hey, I'm Kimberly. And I'm Summer. And this is The Kids Are In Bed. We are two new moms who just had babies in 2020. During that time, we leaned on each other, our limited community, and the internet. We want to share our experiences and knowledge with you guys and hopefully entertain you a little. What better time to discuss babies, sex, pregnancy, and just life than when the kids are in bed. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? (laughs) Good. It has been a crazy day. But it's also been a nice, relaxing day, too. Yeah. What did you guys end up doing? So we it was a nice day outside. So we were like, oh, it's too nice to, like, not do anything. But we kind of live in the middle of nowhere. So going anywhere other than our house is always a mission. And so at some point, uh, David was like, well, do you want to go get ice cream at Superior Dairy? Where if you're mm. not from the valley, it's... A, it's a good ice cream spot that gives you like ginormous, you know, over the top proportions <laughs> for a very low price. And so we drove all the way out there. It was about a 45 minute drive for us. Got ice cream and ate it in the park and just kind of laid there. Logan got to crawl around in the grass for the first time, which he loved. Oh, and good. ate a lot of grass. <laughs> But it was a lot of fun. What'd you guys do? We hung out at home and then <laughs> it's been a rough day for Ruth's sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, she took a nap when she shouldn't have. So then it was just she was not napping all day. Yeah. So we also went on a car ride and <laughs> yeah. Brian and I went and got cheap ice cream. Oh, that's awesome. And drove around while she fell asleep and then just kind of chilled at home. Had an easy day. Um, it's like a mini date. It is. You know, like, <laughs> that is kind of what we do on dates. Even we've had someone come stay with us, Ryan's sister, and she had quarantined. So she stayed with Ruth, and she's like, go on a date, you know. We're going to yeah. get to our thing. We're in a pandemic. And right. So <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. So we went and picked up food and drove around. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is parking dating. lot dates are the <laughs> yeah. new thing they really are and you know what i'm like not too upset about it like yeah i miss restaurants sometimes but it's kind of nice to have that intimate fun feeling like a teenager again dates yeah you know and it's super low-key like low expectations i think sometimes lead for a lot more fun yeah and it's like you can drive anywhere do anything like it's just yeah and a lot more intimate conversations I think happen yeah when you're in a car yeah no I agree oh that's awesome yeah well I know last time we talked we were talking all about our crazy postpartum hormones and stresses (laughs) and all of that craziness that we had no idea about when we were pregnant um and something that made postpartum extra hard Aside from just learning your new body and trying to keep this human alive, was trying to feed these tiny humans. (laughs) And so I think just learning how to feed babies was so much harder than I had ever even imagined. So much. They make it look so easy. Yeah. Like, oh, you just put the baby on the boob and she's good, right? No. Right. No, yeah. that's, that's not it. You put the pump on, you get milk out, put it in a bottle, right? No, that's not what happens. 
No. I think we have, at least I had this, like, before I knew Logan was going to be born with a cleft, I had always dreamed of nursing. Mm -hmm. And so I just, because I always thought it was so easy. You know, I'd be with friends or family that had babies and they would just pull, their baby needed to eat. They just pull up their shirt and, like, nurse. And I was like, that's so easy. That's so fun. But it also felt like there was this, like, bonding intimate moment between like mom and baby that only mom and baby can have and I had always really really craved and desired that sort of attachment and then I found out Logan would be born with a cleft and um, I've kind of shared before and both of my brothers were also born with clefts and I remember after like all of my tears and I called my mom and told her and she was crying I asked her I was like was Sebastian able to breastfeed? Like, could you nurse him? And she was like, no. And I was like, so does that mean I can't nurse Logan? And I remember, like, the first thing I did, I didn't, like, Google anything, like, real cleft-related other than, like, can I breastfeed? Because that's what I always wanted. And so to find out that I couldn't, that automatically was really hard. And I had never, I have never met anybody else that has, like, gone through pumping. I didn't know that. There was a thing in the world called exclusive pumping. Like, what does that mean? Um, So right off the bat, there was a big learning curve. Big. And I think that's something that um, a lot of moms aren't aware of is how often pumping or how normal pumping is. Yeah. To an extent. Like, I just thought, oh, you just pump when you go to work. I didn't realize it was something that some women just need. Yeah. And I through kind of my journey and like figuring out uh, pumping and feeding. um, I've learned that there's so many moms that have chosen to pump exclusively rather than breastfeed just because they didn't like the idea of breastfeeding. And so it's just been so interesting to see like what is out there um, and how different everybody's journey is with when it comes to feeding our babies, whether that's formula feeding or breastfeeding or nursing there's just so much out there that you have to learn really fast while you have these hormone surges going on (laughs) right and it's not a thing of like oh we'll just we'll figure it out it's like no you got to figure out fast because that baby's got to eat and it's like every two hours so yeah 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 and it's not going to be good if they're still hungry so Yeah, there's definitely pressure. Like you have to pick one or the other and you kind of have to do it fast. Mm -hmm. And moment to moment or feed to feed, it could potentially change, but you have to do something (laughs) about it. And speaking of pressure, did you, I know I had this, but did you feel pressure from media and other moms, relatives before you knew about his cleft? Did you have pressure to nurse? Like, did you feel like there was that, um, push for breast is best or even maybe even after the cleft did you have like a thing there yeah I think that I have always put that pressure on myself Mm. like I had always said like well this is what my body was meant to do like I have to do this at all costs I wanted to provide Logan with breast milk before cleft and after cleft, and especially after I found out he was going to have a cleft. Right. Um, especially knowing that he was going to have surgeries and things like that, I was like, well, if I could do anything, it would be this. Like, I want to make sure that I can 
do this for him. But there was so much pressure for me to do that. Like, and I'll kind of share in more detail later, but pumping and have putting that pressure on myself has definitely impacted like my own mental health. And so, mm-hmm. but in, in a positive note, like I think that there's been this big movement on social media that fed is best. And I stand yes. behind that so hard because fed really is best whether it comes Mm -hmm. from your own breast or formula like that's amazing and it's incredible and whatever decision I think moms make is the best decision for their babies and so I do I did feel pressure from myself to provide breast milk but I just think there's this whole movement of like fed is best like normalized (laughs) formula feeding which I think is it is really incredible yeah, and I think it's very important because yeah. there is so much pressure on moms nowadays for so many different things. Yeah. That and nursing isn't something that people can always control, right? Right. And so I think it is important that that is um being normalized. And I feel like even celebrities and stuff are becoming a little bit more open about it too. Yeah. Which I think is helping a lot. Yeah, and I think just like feeding babies in general, like I know there's that whole you know, there's always the cover your baby mm-hmm. and yourself up while you're breastfe- breastfeeding or nursing. Um, and so there's that whole movement, like, why would I cover my baby? Like, this is normal. This isn't sexual to, you know, feed your baby in public. And so yeah. I do think there's some normalization going on. But internally, I think just as moms or as people in general, we have these ideas. And it's hard to kind of break from those ideas, no matter what people say. Yeah, I completely agree. So what did your kind of feeding or okay, but when you were pregnant, what did you imagine your feeding journey to be like with Ruth? I assumed (laughs) that I would be nursing. Um, And then I figured, you know, once I go back to work, I'll I'll figure out the pumping stuff then. So I didn't open up my pump because I got one with insurance. Mm-hmm. Didn't even open it. Didn't look at it. Nothing until after she was born. Um, yeah. Because I was like, I'll just be nursing her. It's not a big deal. I had people donate nursing pads and like all these things got the nursing covers, all that. Um, little did I know I'd still be in a pandemic when I'm right. going to need the, <laughs> need the yeah. nursing covers. But I did use them sometimes. But yeah, that's a different story. But um. Yeah, I assumed I would be nursing. Right. Pretty exclusively. Yeah. Um, But that was not the case. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, like, what happened? So with Ruth in the hospital, she was born at 6 pounds, 13 ounces. Mm -hmm. Um, And within, like, a day and a half, like, she had dropped down to Mm 6'5". And... Um, because she was already on the smaller side, the pediatrician was like, your milk's not in yet because milk, it can take up to like a, 10 days or so sometimes right? for some moms to have their milk come in because at first it's just um, colostrum. colostrum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is like a small amount sometimes. And so sometimes babies are going to need more. So um, our pediatrician was, because originally like I thought she was latching, like, nurses everyone's like she's latching great um and my breasts did feel like they were losing volume mm-hmm. <laughs> when feeding her yeah and so we thought we were doing good and 
the pediatrician just wanted us to supplement a couple feedings throughout. Like she wanted me to nurse for 15 minutes and then give her some formula too. Just enough okay. to like top her off type of thing. Right. For a week. And then we went to her checkup. She's like, oh, she gained all her weight back and a little extra. Like you can just do explicit nursing now. Um, not a big deal. Or breastfeeding, not a big deal. So I was like, okay. And we were doing that. Um, but while I had been doing like the 15 minutes and then formula, I had been pumping. So that's when I had to figure okay. out. Because I was like, I, I don't want my supply to drop. Right. Because of this. So because um, you have to like establish that supply. There's a lot of pressure to establish your supply at the beginning. Yeah. Those first two months are no joke when no. it comes to establishing supply. No joke. And I didn't really know much about it until I was in it and I'm up at 2 a.m. and I'm <laughs> on the what to expect app yeah. reading all these other moms questions about nursing and pumping and Googling. And it was a crazy mess. But I, from what I remember, um, after that first week, I was trying to kind of cut out formula. Mm-hmm. And it was getting to where she would nurse for like 45 minutes straight. Oh, wow. And it was like, girl, like it'd be like 30 minutes on one side and 20. Like it was just not. I was <laughs> she was attached all the time. Yeah. Um, the pediatrician was like, well, you can go to a lactation consultant and see if there's something going on there. Um, so they were saying she was nursing too long. Too long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because she'd be on for 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, be mm -hmm. off for an hour and then get right back on. Right. And That's so no potentially the problem with that is that she might have like, were they assuming that she might have been struggling to get milk and then she was burning calorie too many calories or yeah. is there a reason that your pediatrician was sending you off? She was concerned because it was essentially she was burning too many calories. So I guess after about 15 minutes per breast max, they're burning more calories than they are taking in. So right. for her, she was they she was struggling at some point to get milk in. And um, so my pediatrician was like, I know you don't want to, but you should probably supplement or at least like pump and give her that milk. Mm -hmm. So my pumping journey kind of started there. <laughs> right. And um, how did you feel about that? I was at the time I was really upset <laughs> uh -huh. and I was kind of like, no, like, why isn't it working? Like yeah. I'm doing all this stuff. Um, and I had noticed my supply had kind of started to take a hit because it's like <laughs> I felt like I was feeding her a lot. Yeah. But I don't think she was taking as much out as I thought she was. Right. So then it was getting to where, because your breasts kind of adapt to the amount of milk being taken out is how much it refills type of thing. Right. So with her not taking out as much as I thought, it wasn't thinking that she needed as much. Mm -hmm. So and your breasts weren't producing the milk. Yeah, they weren't producing. So then I was like, okay, I got to get this pumping going, and um, which is a whole learning experience. Mm -hmm. But I was also like, but I want to nurse. So <laughs> right, it was a hot mess. So I eventually um, got into lactation consultant and I did 
um, what they call triple feeding. Okay. I've never heard of that. Yeah, triple feeding. And I did it like from maybe three months or two months because I was at work until she <laughs> stopped nursing at five and a half months. So okay. I did it for two-ish, three-ish months. Um, but essentially I would nurse for 15 and then give her either breast milk or formula, whatever we had available from the previous feeding. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would pump. So it's triple because I'm nursing, she's getting a supplement and I'm pumping. Wow. Um, so essentially it's about a 45 minute process. Right. I was going to say that's, that's a lot of work. And then you have to repeat that in like an Two hours later, right? Exactly. So Ryan became very helpful. (laughs) So it kind of helped a little bit because I could nurse her. And um, sometimes I was able to use the haka or pump one breast and she would just nurse off one. And then Ryan would do the supplemental feedings. Um, Okay. So that helped a bit, but it was exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I did struggle with my supply, getting it back up. And then, um, so we did rely on formula. I kind of tried to give myself grace (laughs) and the fact of everything that was going on. So I typically, we did formula at night or Mm -hmm. just leftover breast milk and I would just pump at night instead of doing the whole process because it was like, it was going to take forever. Um, Yeah. So essentially Ruth was... I call it hybrid fed. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good term. Yeah. So she had breast milk. She had formula. And luckily she was a really chill baby and didn't seem to have like nipple confusion or necessarily prefer one over the other. Yeah. She kind of just took it where she got it. Thank the Lord. because Go Ruth. (laughs) Yeah. She's super chill with that because it would have been that probably would have been more devastating for me. Right. Had she chosen one over the other. But yeah. And it was an experience. So I've at one point I ended up kind of having the pattern of how to build your supply up Mm -hmm. pretty down packed. um, Because fun fact, when you start your period while you're breastfeeding, sometimes the babies don't like it. Mm -hmm. And so for Ruth, there was about a week every month where I didn't even have to know my period was coming. Ruth would let me know about the day before. She would start to latch and then nothing like, nope, not going to drink it. Um, So interesting that these babies know. Right. And so I, I asked my pediatrician one time, I was like, she will not drink my milk starting the day before my period until like the last day like won't touch it nothing like even in a bottle nothing and the pediatrician said that it sometimes has like a salty taste to it so instead of it being like that normal sweet breast milk taste it's mm-hmm. salty so they don't the hormones mess it up so Just, crazy right which i've heard that sometimes like if you get pregnant while you're breastfeeding The babies kind of wean themselves off because the breast milk tastes different. It's like more colostrum than breast milk. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if it's similar. Like the milk changes. The baby's like, "Uh uh-uh, not happening. 
so interesting. I mean, seriously, when you talk about, like, feeding babies, (laughs) like, (laughs) the amount of information that's out there and the amount of crazy things that could go wrong or could go right or just trying to figure out and navigate that is absolutely wild. It's so wild. And no one told me that was the other thing. Like, you're... If you start your period, sometimes it can make your supply drop. So every month my supply would dip and I'd have to build it back up a little bit for like a week. And talk about pressure, though, because I remember (laughs) there was that week that I started going back to work around six weeks. I was so stressed that Mm -hmm. my supply dropped to about half. And then I was even more stressed because it was like. How am I going to feed this baby? Like he, you know, he drinks double this and I'm barely making enough milk to feed him. And I just remember feeling so stressed when my supply would drop. Yeah. And it's intense. intense. It's insane that your supply is affected by your stress. Yeah. Like Like your body knows. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, no. We need to put that energy somewhere else. Like, hold up. Yeah. It. (laughs) <laughs> the women's body is just a, mir- a miracle, like how it functions and yeah, everything just. When your supply would drop, would you take any supplements or anything to try and increase your supply or wh- what would you do to I try did. and get it up? So my tips were um, I ate oatmeal every day for breakfast, mm-hmm. at least just for breakfast, sometimes later. Um, I had oatmeal smoothies a lot. Okay. Oatmeal is supposed to help build it. But I would also put in brewer's yeast and, mm-hmm. um, oh, dear, what's the other one? Is it flaxseed? Yeah, ground flaxseed. Yes. I would put those in my smoothies. Um, I would occasionally make cookies for that, too. And then I used, oh, dear. It is a supplemental pill that actually the lactation consultant that I went and saw, she recommended and um, we can link it in the show notes. It is the only one that worked for me. I tried like mother's milk and a lot of those other ones that are more commonly seen. Right. And they didn't work as well. So I ended up using this one and it worked almost instantly. Okay. Like <laughs> within a day or two, I doubled my supply typically. Crazy. Yeah. It worked really well. The downside was when I first started it, um, Ruth did break out <laughs> with mm-hmm. baby acne. And I was like, are you kidding? Like it's working. And then this. Um, and so <laughs> I stopped. Always something. Always something. I stopped using it. Um but it did work really well. And I tried it again like a month later or so, and she didn't have a reaction. Okay. So I it was like a lower dose, but it worked. So I'll have to find the Amazon link and link it in the show notes. But it worked really well. Um, I tried some other things, and some of them would like <laughs> – make my milk so thick that I would have issues <laughs> like supplements crazy. do crazy things yeah like, what in the world like at one point my milk was so thick like it did not look right I was just like no 
this is like crazy a, a cream or like something. So I stuck with the oatmeal, the flaxseed and brews yeast, and then what is that stuff? That link. I'll link it okay. yeah, <laughs> for yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. supplements. But that's pretty much what I did. Um, and then I pumped on the dot. So Ruth, by that point, wasn't necessarily always eating every three hours or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I pumped whether she was hungry or not. Right. So the pumping part really helped. And I did double pump, which means you pump at the same time, both breasts at the same time, uh-huh. which is supposed to also help. Um, make your supply a little bit bigger, yeah. things like that. But I think the consistent pumping, the oatmeal and stuff like that, and then tons of water. Yeah, all the water. Damn, that's like the, water. the cure to everything, right? Just if you're sick, if you're tired, if you're hungry, like whatever <laughs> is going wrong with your life, like drink water. Like mm-hmm. that's always the answer. That's always the answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So all the water, and I mean it was exhausting but worth it at the time right yeah so I when I started the some of the supplements that I used I know you gave me a recipe for some like lactation oatmeal cookies that had Mm -hmm. that brewer's yeast and flaxseed so I did make that a couple times that I would freeze and then every now and again I would like pull one out and eat those cookies but what I swear by to get your to increase your supply was the body armor drinks Mm -hmm. um i remember someone recommended that to me when i was pregnant and i was like yeah 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 okay but no really when i was trying to establish my supply i just would buy the costco packs and then i started just ordering them on amazon because if you get the regular body armor it's like full of sugar so then on amazon i would buy the low calorie or sugar-free versions which tasted just as good so I definitely had one of those I probably had two a day like one in the morning and one like midday and that was Mm. just kind of the way that I would increase my supply I also had would drink the mother's milk lactation tea which tasted absolutely disgusting yes it's like black licorice yes and I black licorice I just that's not for me. <laughs> and so I honestly, I didn't really notice an increase with the, when I would drink that tea, but it was kind of just, I think I was just trying to like buy into it and I wanted to see an increase. So I would just drink it and pretend like it worked, but I'm not sure that that actually ever worked. But I do think that the body armor did help me when I was establishing my supply in the beginning. That's what I've heard a lot of. And for people listening, Kim's supply is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) If you only knew. So definitely get that body armor. Yeah. Yeah. And it was definitely really hard in the beginning to establish a supply. And because I was pregnant, like I knew I was going to have to pump because Mm -hmm. of Logan's cleft. But that's about the extent of which I knew. And so while we were pregnant, David and I went to a lactation consultant and kind of said like, hey, our son is going to be born with a cleft lip and cleft, possibly a cleft palate. Like what tips or tricks do you have as far as pumping? Because we have no clue about anything. And so she made us sit through videos 
about clefts and showed us different cleft bottles, which I appreciated that she took the time to get into, but I had already spent months and months and months researching. Right. So we didn't really feel like we learned much about how to feed Logan or how to, like, pump. Mm-hmm. Um, so we paid, you know, a decent amount of money for not a lot of information, um, which was unfortunate just because I had no idea what I was doing as far as pumping. Like, I barely even knew how to put the pump on. The very first time I put the phalanges on me were in the hospital. Yeah. And I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. I remember the nurse was like, here you go. Just put this on and just turn up, turn this up all, you know, midway, turn up your pump midway and you're good. And I was like, okay, what? like I have no idea what I'm doing, but okay. And I don't, you don't know how much milk to expect to come out. Like what's normal, what's not normal. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a really crazy experience. It is. And I don't think people think about talking about it. <laughs> like, yeah. Even my doctor was like, oh, the nurse and the lactation consultant will help you in the hospital. Yeah. And that's where I was supposed to learn about it. And then you get to the hospital and they're kind of like, here you go. And that's yeah. it. And it's <laughs> so fast. And I don't know about you, but I had more than one lactation consultant come in and they kept saying like, oh, we'll be back. And Mm-mm. the person that said that never came back. And so it was just a very confusing experience. But. For me, like right after I gave birth, like moments after Logan entered the world, all of a sudden a lactation consultant was next to me bedside. Nice. While I was still getting stitched up, she came over to me. Yeah, she was really fast. (laughs) (laughs) She came over to me and um, started like hand expressing my milk, my like colostrum. She's like, is it okay if I touch your breast? And I was like. Sure. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I guess that's okay. (laughs) And she started hand expressing um, my colostrum. And she was like, okay, this is what you're going to feed your baby now. I remember looking at it because it's about like a tablespoon. And you're like, that's it. Like, how is this going to feed my baby? (laughs) You know, but when they're that little, they don't need a lot of milk at that point. But all of a sudden she's like, okay, just start doing this. And all of a sudden I'm like hand expressing and I'm like, I didn't know that this is what you were supposed to do or I didn't like I don't know how to do this. And then you're also like, how do I do this with the baby? And now I'm like hand expressing. And if you don't know what that means, it's you literally like hold your breast in your hand and you are like squeezing it like a cow udder. I was about to say think of a cow. (laughs) (laughs) To like get the milk to come out, which is this most bizarre thing. If you've never done it before, you're like. What is going on? And you're doing it into this like little medicine cup. Mm-hmm. It's just a really weird experience. I mean, especially when you have no idea what's going on. And I remember they'd say, okay, don't worry, your milk's going to come in. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I don't it's know what that in. means. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is like, there's going to be more. I don't, is it going to be different? Like, I have no idea. And I mean, I had to learn really fast, but by the before we left the hospital, I remember pumping and I was like, David, look, there's more. Like, I've never pumped this much. Like, this much hasn't come out before. I was like, is this my milk? Like, has it come in? And I remember just feeling really confused that nobody was explaining any of this to me. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, how much do I, because now that I'm pumping in the hospital, how much do I feed my baby? 
How much does he need? How much should I give him? And then all of a sudden they're bringing in formula and you're like, okay, now how much formula do, do I give him? Do I give him the breast milk and then the formula or just only one or the other? It's just, I wish that there was more clarity, especially in the hospital. I remember the lactation consultant would come in and I was like, my nipples really hurt. Is this normal? And she's like, yeah, 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 you're good. Then another one came in and I was like, but really, like, look at my nipples. Like, they're like red and raw. Like, is this normal? And they're like, no, 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 that's not normal. And then she was like, oh, your phalange size is wrong, which if you've never pumped before, it's that plastic part that kind of sits on your breast. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like, your size is wrong. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what size do I need? And she's like, I don't know. Let me go watch some videos. And I just remember feeling really (laughs) confused that she was confused and I was confused. And now we're like ordering different parts on Amazon, trying to figure out the size and the parts were going to be delivered to my house. And then once I got home, how was I supposed to know what size was right? And Mm -hmm. it was just... I had no idea what was going on. And those parts are not cheap. No, they're not cheap. (laughs) It's annoying how expensive they are. And you don't you can't just try it on and then like ship it back during COVID. Like Right. And I remember like trying to research and they're like, measure your nipple size. And it was just like, how am I gonna I don't know. It was just a very confusing time to measure your like diameter of nipple size and then add a couple millimeters and it was just I wish somebody in the hospital could have showed me how to do it because Uh turns out fast forward I was using the wrong size for at least two months and so my nipples were so raw and I was in so much pain for so long and in my mind I was like well I guess this is normal because this is like what they told me to do and right Turns out it was not normal. And so I ended up needing to size down in um, different phalange sizes, which is just interesting because your parts, your when you get a breast pump from through insurance, you end up getting lots of different sizes. So you're like, okay, I have to be one of these sizes. Mm-hmm. They're like preset, like, I don't know, small, medium, large sizes essentially and so you're like oh okay i have to be one of these this is why they send me this kit turns out there's actually like 20 different sizes that you could be Mm -hmm. ranging from like small to big and and, but it's your job to figure it out right but what's hard is if you've never done this before how do you know Mm -hmm. and then there's like different kinds too yeah like i yeah i went through that whole thing of like I'm definitely using the wrong size. And then I tried different kinds. And then I'm like, nope, that doesn't fit anymore. Nope. Like, and your boobs yeah. can change yeah. throughout, which also doesn't help. Because then, like, I was one size. And then, oh, nope, that's too big now. And, like, right. oh, that's too small. Like, oh. And I've heard so other moms share that their breasts are different sizes. Oh, so yeah. their nipples are different sizes. So then it's like. Who knows? Like, yeah, like how to figure that out. I just wish that there was a class or just a different way to really get to the bottom of what you need. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe it's out there, but the pandemic didn't allow us that opportunity. Or maybe it's not out there and it should be. Right. I do think I wish I knew the questions I should have asked in the hospital. Like, looking back, I wish I would have advocated for myself more. 
Right. But at the time, I had no idea what I was doing. So I didn't know what I needed to ask until it was until I was discharged and was completely lost. Yeah. And I and I'm very trusting of doctors and nurses. So I figure like they're going to give me the information Mm -hmm. that I need to know. But turns out that's not always the case. But I have to say, like, thank God for Facebook and social media, because I was able to hunt down different um, Facebook groups and accounts on Instagram to help figure out like this whole pumping journey, which some of these moms have absolutely saved me Mm -hmm. when it comes to trying to figure all of this craziness out. Yeah, they've been super helpful. And I think that's one of the major blessings of social media. Yeah. These days. And some moms are so great. Like they will post pictures and videos and completely show you what they're using. Maybe what they did wrong. And you can learn from so many of them. It's so helpful. No, I totally agree. And so I just know that I really, really struggled in the beginning to figure out what I was doing. And I relied on Google for everything to try and figure it out. And it wasn't always helpful because every mom is different. But I felt like I had no baseline to go off of. So I I got home and the, you know, all of a sudden I have this pump and I'm like, I barely know how to put the pump parts together for one. (laughs) And now I'm like sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. Um, So I put this like pump on and I remember those times being really isolating um, Mm -hmm. because I had set up a little pump station in my kitchen. And so I had my pump. And before I actually gave birth, I had like a little nursing like basket next to my pump station. So I filled it with like different pumping snacks and different like I had my iPad there for fun and just different things that I thought I would need. I remember kind of researching that before being pregnant, like nipple creams and different things like that. Turns out I didn't need half of the stuff that I got and turns out I needed so much more right. than I than I got. Um, but you all of a sudden are sitting at this pump for, at first it's like 15 minutes and then somehow it turns into 20 and then mm-hmm. somehow you're at 30 minutes a session every three hours and Something that I didn't know is when you start your pump session, let's say you start it at one o'clock and you pump for 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. you need to start three hours from the start of your next pump. So it's not at the end. So you don't start three hours after 1.30. You start three hours after one Mm o'clock. And so you're pumping at four o'clock. So that gives you like a two and a half hour barrier Mm -hmm. to kind of like figure out life and before you're back on the pump again. So every two and a half hours, you're pumping Mm -hmm. on top of everything else that's going on to try and establish that supply. So that includes waking up in the middle of the night while the boys are fast asleep for the first time. And I'm having to set alarms to try and wake up because I need to have enough milk ready for when he needs to eat. And so that was really really hard the sacrifice of sleep in the beginning was by far the most challenging thing for so me hard I don't even know how you did it that was one part that kind of messed me up was at six seven weeks whenever I went back to work 
I had been waking up. Ruth had been waking up every three hours. So that's I would just pump and feed whenever she woke up. We were on that schedule. Yeah. And God bless her. It was like the week I started work, she started extending her sleep hours. Yeah. And so then it was like four hours. So then I wasn't pumping <laughs> for four hours, which I know I probably, if I really wanted a really good supply, I should have woken up. Um, But I didn't. I was like, well, I'm regulating to her body. So like, I'm just going to yeah. extend. And um, it hurt a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. you're boobs get super full oh yeah and then um she eventually spread it out to six hours that was like her max for a while and I had gotten to where I was like okay it's either I sleep for the six hours straight and feel mentally rested Mm -hmm. or I wake up in the middle and I am like exhausted there's something about that interrupted like REM sleep that just kills me and I tried for a while I attempted for a week to wake up in the middle yeah and I got to where I had to call Ryan because I'm like Ryan I'm gonna fall asleep driving home like I can't I can't do it and so I made the decision to not and it was probably the best decision I could have made for my own safety yeah but my milk did it adjusted well at first but then once I was having to build up my supply again later not so much right right right. something that's so hard because then I'm wanting to build my supply back up and to do that gotta wake up in the middle of the night to it's oh yeah it's so hard it is so hard and it's a huge sacrifice and I think that knowing what I know now I probably wouldn't have tortured myself as long as I did um because at one point I woke up and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't. Because I think there's a huge difference between, like, a four-hour stretch of nonstop sleep than there is about six hours total, but you're waking up every two hours. You know, like, you feel way more refreshed to get that continuous sleep. And so much. I hadn't slept more than two and a half hours straight in months. Like, I was so exhausted that I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I remember saying, okay, I'm just going to, like, sleep an extra hour. And I'm just going to push it an extra hour. And so, um, but that was definitely hard. That felt like a hard, guilty decision. But I was like, I need to survive. And I personally am not my best self if I'm sleep deprived. I am not a good wife. I am not a good mom. I am not good at caring for myself. I'm grumpy. I'm, like, agitated. I'm, like, crying. I'm just not... My best self when I'm sleep deprived. Right. And then add the stress on top of that. It's just not a good combo. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Um, But I remember like everything that I did in those beginning, I would say first three months was all trial and error. Like all everything was trial and error. I during that time, though, I did end up getting nipple thrush Mm, somehow. And I still don't know how. To be honest, I don't know if it came from Logan because we would do Logan couldn't um, nurse. So there. also, I want to say there is a difference between nursing and breastfeeding. I do. I do breastfeed. I just don't nurse because Logan is not on my breast to get milk. But I do breastfeed because I am providing him with breast milk. Yes. Um, 
But Logan would latch on kind of like for comfort feeding in the beginning. So even though he was getting all of his feeds through a bottle, I would bring him to my breast and he loved it. And he would get a little bit of milk out, but it wasn't enough to like sustain him. Like he couldn't just rely on my, you know, nursing. Right. Um, So at some point, one of us gave each other thrush. And so that was really hard because I remember like feeling these sharp shooting pains like into my nipple. And I was like, is this normal? Is this just like my milk? What is going on? And of course, you Google everything and it's either you're dying or (laughs) it's completely normal. And so I just remember like, okay, maybe it's just normal. And then I was like, no, 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 this cannot be normal for this long. So I would set up like a telehealth appointment and I was like, this is what's going on. And they're like, okay, I think you have. And then you have to like show your breasts to these strangers on camera. (laughs) Yeah. Like, well, here I am. Like, is this normal or not? And it's hard because they can't see very well over camera. So then you're giving them these like really up close like angles of like (laughs) your exposed boobs in like your son's nursery. It's just a weird (laughs) feeling. But (laughs) I ended up getting thrush. And so Logan ended up getting like a diaper rash. And so we needed to treat that. But then I also experienced um, I get ended up getting mastitis right around the same time. And so that was really hard because I was at that point pumping for about 15 minutes and stopping at 15 minutes. And so I wasn't letting my breasts empty out all the way because I had no idea that's what you were supposed to do. Right. Everything that I ever read said just pump for 15 minutes. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Well, turns out that's not necessarily what you need to do if your breasts are still full. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting mastitis, which if you've ever gotten it, it's the most painful thing in the entire world. There is no other pain like it. Like, I couldn't even lift my arms up. You couldn't even... I couldn't even hold Logan. I was in so much pain. Right. Um, And so the only way to cure it is with antibiotics. And so now you're having to do more telehealth appointments and you're feeling awful. And sometimes you can get fevers. And it's just... It's really not fun. And I had never heard of it before breastfeeding until I was on this other telehealth appointment saying like I feel like I'm dying everything hurts (laughs) my like boob is red like this doesn't feel right and they're like oh yep that's mastitis here's some antibiotics and then you feel guilty like is this safe for my baby and yeah so many different things and I have ended up getting it more than once I've actually gotten it three times in my pumping journey so it's not fun and it's really hard but Mm -hmm. It's just things that I never knew existed before I started this. Right. And it's not, I mean, I feel like that's one of those things. I know a lot of women who have had it. Yeah. And it's normal, unfortunately, but it's not fun. Like, no, not fun. I am thankful I didn't get get it all the way. I started to get it at one point and I got some antibiotics like we caught it early um because i just heard awful things so yeah it's definitely not fun but even some more trial and error things i remember when i first started i after i would pump i would clean my pump parts and the bottles and everything Mm -hmm. right away after each and every use 
Yep. And so I was not only spending my 30 minutes now pumping, I was also like cleaning bottles and washing them and getting everything ready for the next pump. So that was another somehow 20 minutes. So now I only had two hours between each session before I had to do it again. And so as my journey has, you know, I'm almost six and a half months in now, I've learned by multiple, multiple sets of things, (laughs) including phalanges. I have about a thousand bottles that I pump into. I have different parts. I have so many different spare parts that if anything happens or breaks, like I have it on hand. And almost in the beginning, I refused to buy extra parts because it's so expensive. And I was like, I don't need this. I don't whatever. It's too much money. But buy the parts. And now I only when I'm done, I use my um, the same phalanges and I put on new bottles and I stick them in the fridge. So that's what's called like the fridge hack. So that's what I do. I only use one set of phalanges within a 12 hour period instead of washing them every single time because I was wasting so much time doing that. Um, so that's something that I have personally chosen to do and buy so many parts. And every time there's empty bottles or dirty bottles, I just stick them in this nice little bowl that sits in my sink and I wash it at the end of the day instead of spending hours washing bottles all day long. Mm -hmm. I saved myself the headache of doing that. It's so (laughs) like, I think we were talking about this before, like, it's something so simple, like, hey, just buy an extra part. But it yeah. didn't, it doesn't click like no. at the beginning. You're like, oh, no, I can't. These are the only ones I have. Why would I buy more? Yeah. It's just uh, the fridge hack I didn't know about until I went to work because I was like, how am I going to take all my pump parts and I'm supposed to wash them in a sink in my classroom? Yeah. Like, how sanitary is that going to be? Or in the lunchroom, wherever I need to do that. And it's COVID. Like, I don't feel safe cleaning all my stuff at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had Googled it and some moms had talked about the fridge hack. And that's what I ended up doing for work is what I would put it in the fridge. And whatever else I needed would go in there. And then I'd take it home at the end of the day and wash yeah. it. Because it was, I was dreading. Because then I'm also like, I only have 45 minutes for lunch. Yeah, and I there's no way you for can 30. do everything. Like, yeah, when am I supposed to take a breath to yeah. do anything? So if you're going to go to work, if you have fridge access, it is a nice hack to have. Absolutely. 100% recommend the fridge hack. 100% recommend having a thousand different spare parts <laughs> and giving yourself grace and only washing your pump parts like at the end of the day and not throughout, which all... Like, sounds so simple. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do any of those things in the beginning because I didn't think of it. And because it's not that simple to figure out. It's not. And something, there's mixed reviews on it. But we ended up doing when um, Ryan was going to be feeding Ruth while I was gone. We bought the Kind Twist system. Mm-hmm. It's called Kind Twist system. Yeah. Um. It doesn't necessarily measure the ounces out correctly, I think. Yeah. It's a little off on that. But that saved us a lot of time because you actually just pump straight into the bag. 
Mm -hmm. And then you can put it in the fridge. And then Ryan takes out the bag and he pops the nipple on and he feeds her straight from the bag. Um, That was such a time saver for us because we weren't having to pour the bag into the bottle and then all that extra step for when he was feeding her at home. Right. Um, So if you're looking for an alternative there, that kind system like saved our mental <laughs> our mental state when it came to him feeding her and yeah who has time for bottles no no one has time for bottles and that's <laughs> you, the problem you understand this <laughs> yeah so yeah we really liked the kind twist system if moms are looking out but it i will say the measurements are not a hundred percent on that you have to kind of yeah i think it's off it by out. like an ounce i think it over yeah. It overestimates, but it's really under what it yes, says. it is. I had gotten to, if I really wanted to know how much she was eating at certain points, I would like dump it into the, <laughs> I would put one kind bag on one breast and like a normal pumping bottle on the other. Yeah. And I would kind of like measure in the bottle and then pour it all into the, the bag um, just to see if I really wanted to. But they worked well for us. We really liked them. Um and I think they have adapting parts for most of the pumps that you have. So you can pump directly into the bag, which is really nice. Um, if that's something that you're interested in. We really yeah. like ours. But. Absolutely. And get a portable pump. Whatever you mm-hmm. do, pay the extra with your insurance. I went five months with a pump plugged into the wall and... I knew that there were things out there, but it was just too expensive. And so I spent hours and hours isolated to myself, (laughs) sitting, you know, connected to the wall. And once I finally was given access to a portable pump, it changed my life, absolutely changed my life. So if you are thinking about exclusively pumping or just even pumping short term, intermittently, 1000% recommend getting a portable pump yes that would have been amazing yeah so now that our babies are a little bit older and logan is still exclusively on milk and we have started solids but that's not where he gets his you know his main meals and nutrients from but what has your feeding looked like now since introducing solids to ruth so for Ruth, um, around the time I stopped nursing, or I guess it was like a month before, around four months, um, she was still being breastfed for the most part. She would just have those formula bottles at night. And, um, oh, side note, if you're a nursing mom, look up different nursing positions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a huge lifesaver, especially if you're a mom who has carpal tunnel. Yeah. Or I think they can call it like mommy's wrists, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Look it up because there are different positions that are really helpful. Um, at the end, I relied on side nursing mm-hmm. like 100%. Ruth and I would lie on the bed. She would just get on there, nurse, and we were good. So look into that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good tip. That's a huge lifesaver. Um, but we ended up – our pediatrician um recommended we just introduce her to different textures and just to like play around with food and spoons and stuff at four months um she wanted to be 
mainly baby oatmeal mm-hmm. um, for the first month. And then at five months, we started introducing veggies that were pureed. Um, and we did like sweet potato and then we did green beans and carrots and then something else. Yeah. Um, and we just mix it in with breast milk. And we knew we wanted to do baby led weaning. So, uh-huh. which is pretty much the baby self feeding. So, even though we were doing the purees, which isn't necessarily always a part of baby led weaning, um, mm-hmm. we tried to make sure she was the one giving herself the food. So, we would hand her the spoon and she would try to bring it up to her mouth, yeah. um, just trying to introduce her to that. And once she hit six months, we got we talked to our pediatrician a lot about it because I was just kind of like, I want to do this for her, but I also want it to be the best thing for her. Yeah. Um, I also still am slightly convinced that she has a lip tie or something going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to lactation consultants. They never figured out why she ate so slow. Right. I don't know. They said her latch was fine. My supply was not terrible. Yeah. She just ate really slow. And so, and she can't use certain pacifiers and stuff. So sometimes I just wonder if there's just something there they couldn't find. Um, so I talked to my pediatrician a lot about like making sure she could chew. <laughs> I was concerned, like, is she going to yeah. be able to chew the food right and different things? Um, because baby led weaning, you pretty much start off, you kind of skip the purees. And start with solid foods. They're just mm-hmm. used to make sure that they're served in a way that's safe for baby. Right. And um, for her, the pediatrician, there's certain requirements that they recommend that you meet, which is six months of age. Um, typically, they recommend adjusted age. So Ruth was born at 37 weeks. So they wanted her to be six months, two weeks. Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily follow that. Yeah. But it's recommended and they should be able to sit up on their own. And there's one more, isn't there? Was there one more? I think those are the major ones. Those are the two. Because if they're able to sit up on their own, their chances of choking are a lot lower. Yeah. Um, But the pediatrician was like, go for it. She's sitting up. Like, try it out. And she pretty much... At first, she was kind of like, what is this? Because she had only been using a spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so she was like, I don't want to touch this gross stuff, people. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, after about two weeks, though, I mean, she was picking up sweet potato and eating it. She um, now pretty much eats anything we put in front of her. It goes in at least to try it. Yeah. Which is really good. And um as far as she's still her main source of food is still her milk. Um, at five months, we switched from uh, or I stopped nursing. Mm-hmm. And so she switched over to formula explicitly. And she pretty much has a bottle in the mornings when she wakes up and then she'll have breakfast and then she'll have another bottle when she wakes up from her nap and have lunch And then another bottle. And then we try to feed her a bottle about 20 minutes before her meal. Okay. Just to kind of fill her up on that milk that she really needs. Yeah. (laughs) And then we kind of let her eat whatever she wants to eat from dinner, lunch, whatever. 
Yeah. Um, Because it's more for like experience and textures and exposure at that point. Um, Not necessarily like you need to eat until you're full. It's right. Eat to learn type of thing. That exploring. Yeah. And um, we did do all of the allergy foods the first month. Mm hmm. Um, Because Ruth did have severe eczema. That's something that we've kind of had to work with throughout her little life. And so typically, we were warned that, like, if they have severe eczema, like, she's on a prescription for it. And if they have that, there is a higher chance for peanut allergies. Um, so our pediatrician was like, I want you guys to try that as soon as possible. Because now they're saying that early exposure to the allergy food could actually help prevent the allergy from occurring. Yeah. And so we kind of went through the allergies in a faster manner than most people. Right. (laughs) We were like, it was like three days in between the different allergies, which isn't always recommended. Um, But we would feed her like the peanut butter for three days in a row. Yeah. And wait for an allergy. And then the other food for three days in a row. Um, So I would definitely discuss that with your pediatrician just to see what they recommend. Um, But she, she eats so much. And so many different things. Like when I tell people like, oh, yeah, she had like salmon last night. They're like, what? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Salmon? Like, Like, no, no, no. She's a baby. She's eating like (laughs) jarred baby food, right? Like, (laughs) yeah. Like, what did you blend up for your baby tonight? Mm, Nothing. Like we used to blend up food. And now I'm like, I don't want to sit here and blend up baby food. Like, no, I'd rather just give her stuff that's off my plate. And yeah. To be honest, I feel like it actually makes me eat healthier. <laughs> because Right. Especially because you're trying to expose them to so many different yeah. foods. You're having to expand your palate as well. Yes. And I am a pickier eater than my husband. Yeah, me and too. So it's just like certain things. And I'm like, I don't want that for her. I want her to love everything and not be picky. So far, we're good. But there's foods like we introduced cottage cheese this week. Uh huh. I hate cottage cheese. <laughs> Ryan's like, she tries it. You gotta try it. And I'm like, right. Ah, I just, I uh, yeah, that one still grosses me out. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but yeah. So I think the baby led weaning has been the best thing for us um, as a family. And I know a lot of people are like, well, aren't you afraid she's gonna choke? She has no teeth and she's chewing chicken, right? right. Um. But there's definitely ways to do it. There's a difference between choking and gagging. Mm-hmm. There's lots of videos on that. Yes, yeah, she has gagged, um, which is the learning experience for her. But she's never choked. Yeah. So um, if you're interested in baby led weaning for anyone, I highly recommend looking up some social media accounts. We can link those in our show notes, too. Um, yeah. And just doing the research on it. Talk to your pediatrician. It's saved my sanity. And Ruth eats like a champ. Like mm-hmm. she takes it down like no one's business. Yeah. And isn't it so incredible to watch them explore and eat new foods? And it's so good for their like fine motor skills to be able oh, to yeah. pick up small pieces of food and that hand-eye coordination. Like I'm going to see this food and I'm going to put it into my mouth. And I've definitely noticed that added benefit as well. Oh yeah, and her 
you know what? I was going to text you the other day. I think she might be a left-handed baby. <laughs> Lefty. I Yay. think she might. I was like, <laughs> she has a really good pincher grasp in one hand. Yeah. In her left. Like, she is really good with that one. And she tends to pick things up with that hand. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And, yeah. like, her pincher grasp isn't as good in the right. And I'm like, it's because she's using her left all the time. Yeah. No, I am, like, convinced Logan is left-handed. He does everything with his left hand. I always joke with David, like, his right hand is useless. Like, it might not <laughs> even be on his body because he only uses his left hand. And, like, we've been doing, like, light switches and turning lights on and off. And if he uses his left hand, he's got it. Like, easy. If he uses his right hand, he's, like, flopping around and, like, doesn't know. It's just so funny, like, how much better he is with one hand than the other. So I hope Ruth is left-handed. I hope she can join the club. <laughs> right? My husband. Our husbands are going to be like, the instruments. I know. <laughs> I know. To try and live in the le- in a right-handed world. Uh, I know the instruments. But yeah, so I think the introducing food has been fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. The milk, I am glad that I breastfed as long as I did. Yeah. Um, and I think introducing her to solids, like, right after we switched to formula helped me transition. Right. Because I felt like, oh, she's not solely relying on me as much. And now, to be honest, half the time <laughs> she gets grumpy and it's like, oh, you don't want a bottle. You want, like, food food. Mm-hmm. And so she knows what she likes. So I think I love watching her eat. I could do it yeah. all day. Yeah. And it's so fun to watch them learn. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you are so smart. I know. <laughs> like <laughs> for Logan, as soon as we put him in the high chair sometimes and try and put on his bib, he'll start not like crying, but he'll start kind of demanding food because he knows once he goes in the high chair and he sees the plate like it's game time. And he gets really mm-hmm. frustrated when we're trying to put his bib on him because he's like, I want to eat that now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to wait. And so we always have to like, Logan hold on, let's put your bib on and we have to pray first and Mm -hmm. then you can get your food. But he does not want any part of the waiting game when it comes to eating food. Sometimes Ruth like will start putting the bib itself in her mouth. She's like, you guys are too slow. I'm just going to eat this. Exactly. How is food introducing going for you? Because it's a little bit different with his cleft. So how's that working out? Yeah, so we... Even though we knew Logan would be born with a cleft, I definitely knew I wanted to do baby led weaning. Um, When I was pregnant, I did some baby led weaning classes online. Um, There's an amazing lady out there. Um, Her Instagram name is baby led wean team. And I have followed her religiously since I was pregnant and have learned so much incredible information. So I highly, highly recommend uh, Katie, who runs that. Um, but once we kind of watched the workshops, we're like, okay, we want to do this. Like, is this possible for Logan, who at that time, we there's no way to really tell if your baby's going to be born with the cleft palate on an ultrasound. You know for sure about the cleft slip, but it's hard to see like inside of a baby's mouth on an right. ultrasound. They can give a pretty good guess, but it's not 100%. Um, but 
while I was pregnant, I just assumed that he would have a cleft palate as well. Kind of expect the worst, hope for the best kind of thing. Um, And so as soon as Logan was born and we knew his palate was affected um, and we met with our speech and language therapist at Stanford, we said, well, one day we'd like once we start introducing solids, we want to do baby led weaning. Is that okay? Will you support us in that? And how do I do that with a baby that has a cleft palate? Like, is it possible for us to do? And she's been incredibly supportive in helping us do that. And um, for those of you that don't know, when you are doing baby led weaning, you kind of start with purees for the first couple of days. But after that, the goal is that it's more solid food um, that's not pureed. And so if you have a cleft palate, you're missing the entire roof of your mouth. Well, and your nasal cavity is exposed. Can you imagine eating anything in your life that wouldn't get caught up in your nasal cavity that wouldn't get stuck in your palate? And so the answer is no, not really everything that you would ever eat gets stuck there potentially. And so um, our therapist had recommended, you know, give him soft foods that he can mush like between his gums on the side and potentially be able to swallow without it getting caught in his cleft. And so we practiced that a couple times and we've definitely had to do more of a modified version of baby led weaning than I would that I had imagined. Um, Obviously, we wanted to just do the traditional way, but we've had to do more purees and experiment with different foods like what can he eat that won't be a choking hazard. So, for instance, like he can eat salmon really, really well because it's flaky, it's crumbly. If he chews and sucks on it, it kind of dissolves more Mm -hmm. than like per se a pancake. So we made whole wheat pancakes. Well, pancakes are soft, which is great, but pancakes also, the more you chew it, it gets gummy. And so mm. as it sticks together, it lodges right up in his palate and comes out of his nose, but then also gets so stuck up there. Oh. It was very hard to get out. And so it's just been a lot of trial and error, like what foods are going to work for him and what foods are not. And so um, Katie, who we've been following on Instagram, as far as baby led weaning, one of her goals is to have your baby try a hundred new foods before the age of one. And so that's always been our goal. Um, But as we've embarked on this journey, I've had to allow myself the grace and saying like, that's just not going to be possible for us because Logan can't eat certain foods um, until his cleft is repaired. So things like lima beans, like I'm not even going to try and (laughs) offer a food like that to Logan. Um, because of the potential choking hazard, um, like we we did peas, like we've di- we did peas tonight, but it's pureed peas, pureed right. and then like strained to get all of the like shells off or whatever. Um, so we've just kind of had to modify and be okay with that. And he Logan, we joke in our house that Logan eats like a king. Mm-hmm. Um, he eats better than us for sure. Uh, David usually eats like frozen salmon, and part of the baby led weaning is you want to limit the amount of sodium that babies eat as well, mm-hmm. which is something that I didn't really consider before. Right. Um, well, frozen salmon has a lot of added sodium for preservatives. So Logan gets fresh salmon that's <laughs> never been frozen, and David gets frozen salmon. So 
<laughs> Logan just eats like a king in our house. Um, I love it. And he loves to eat, but we have to be very, very vigilant when watching him eat because things do get stuck. And he has gagged, but he has also choked. And that's just mm-hmm. something that we've had to be mindful of and be aware of and um, make sure that you're CPR certified before you embark on this. I think that that's yes. if you have a baby with a cleft, like make sure you know how to help your baby if they were to potentially choke. And so we are certainly not doing anything that we feel like would be a potential hazard. But we do need to, you know, know that anything is possible with the baby with the cleft. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we also have different, we have the nose Frida right next to us every time we're feeding because in case something gets stuck, we can try our very best to suck it out as soon as possible. Or right. we have... Logan's open cup. So if he needs water right away, we can give him some water to try and clear his palate as well. So it's definitely come with a lot more challenges than I wish it did because Logan loves to eat. Like he loves it. There's not been one food he hasn't liked. I think at first he didn't like one so much, but he, I mean, he's eaten everything. He eats more than... (laughs) I knew a tiny six-month-old could eat. Um, yes. And so we're just, we're going to keep going with it. Um, as far as daycare and when he's mm, being yes. watched by uh, my mother-in-law, instead of putting that pressure on them of feeding him solid foods, it will just be purees only. So we're just going right. to have to modify because I want to keep them you know, stress-free, but I really care about Logan and his safety. So yes, even though we want him to do baby-led weaning, we have to do what's going to be best for him. And so that means purees only at daycare until his palate is repaired, and then he can eat solid foods when he's at home with my husband and I where we can monitor him. So, you know, it's all about learning and adjusting and doing what's best for your baby and giving yourself grace and not setting really high expectations that you know that you can't, you know, achieve. I think that that's, that's a big one. I love that. I love that you said it's all about what's doing best for your baby. Yeah. Because there's so many different parts of nursing, feeding, pumping, solids, that's going to be unique for you and your baby. So I think that's huge. And you just got to figure out what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's a fun journey to try and figure it out. And when you watch your kids get excited, it's it's fun to see. Absolutely. I love it. Um, so speaking of fun things and watching babies eat, um, I think it'd be a really good time for us to talk about mom wins and mom fails for this week. Ooh, yes. What is your win, Kimberly? So we have Logan on a pretty good sleep schedule. He sleeps really well at night and he takes really good naps during the day. And so um, because we've kind of followed, we we ended up doing some sleep training with Logan. And so we just have a good schedule for him. And he, if he's got a routine, he sticks to it really well. Um, and so that includes naps. We have a nap time routine where usually I don't let Logan fall asleep on me. Um, but this week I caved and I know that 
my time is approaching to go back to work and mm-hmm. I just wanted to soak in as much time with Logan as I could. So Logan fell asleep on me and I just was holding him and loving on him, you know, extra. And I was like, you know what? Like, I just want to take a nap with Logan. Like, I just want to hold him and I want to go to sleep with him and, you know, snuggle up in bed, obviously safely and making sure that he's not going to roll or his airways aren't covered or anything. Um, And I just gave myself permission to do that and just to nap with him. And we had the best nap I've ever had. And it was just so nice to just hold him and love on him. And he was warm and smelled good. And um, so that was just so nice. And I just want to do it every day for the rest of my life. Just hold him while he naps. But, yeah, I just let myself do that. And it was really sweet. I loved that. Those naps are so special. So, yeah. so special. And I just miss when they would be so tiny and sleep on you. And now that he's so big and he's a big boy with a routine and schedule, mm-hmm. I just miss when he was little. And he's able to roll over. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I know you have a really good win to share. I do. It just happened. I cried. <laughs> I'm <just> like, <laughs> I... For me, um, so when I went back to work and um, the first time when I went back to work, I had a big issue with like, my baby's going to love my husband so much more than me because she's never <laughs> around me and, or she's going to love the daycare person, like all these things. Yeah. And um, it was hard. It was a big adjustment for me. Something I had to work through of like, no, she loves you. Like, yeah, it's a thing. And so something Ryan and I had talked about a lot was like, she's going to say, I was like, she's going to say Misha or something as her first <laughs> word, which is our dog. Yeah. Like, she's going to say something like that. And Ryan, bless his heart, has been working so hard at having her say mama first. Aww. Like anytime, like he doesn't even have her say dad. Like it's always say mama, like practicing yeah. all the time. Um. And tonight we were sitting at dinner and she was making some noises and he said it and she repeated it back. And he was like, I think he scared her because he got really excited. (laughs) So she was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) And she did it one more time after that. And I think she got freaked out because of his reaction. (laughs) So she hasn't said it again since. So we're working on it. But her first word was Yay, mama. That's yeah. huge. That's so, so exciting. So that's my mama win. Oh, I love word. that. I love that. And she is eight and a half months old for those who are like, when did your baby start talking? Eight yeah. and a half months. So, oh, yeah. that's so exciting. Mama. Mama. And your little boy has said that already too, right? He has. We Well, we are working on the M sound with him. So anytime we diaper change and we go face to face, like we practice that a lot um, because we are trying to increase his bilabial sounds and things like that. It's one of his like speech goals and just something even before that, that we've been practicing with him. And so he did say it and he has repeatedly said it. I don't always think that he knows that like, he's not looking at me and, like, pointing, like, you're my mama, but he does say it, which is very exciting. and it's huge. And I'm always trying to get him to say it, and he's like, no. Like, 
he's like, don't look at me. Like, don't pressure me. I'm going to say it when I want to. And then he does. He'll say it. So it's, you know. That's so awesome. That's a big thing for him to be able to say that M sound. So that's huge. Yeah, it is. It's definitely huge for him. Well, do you have a fail? Can we humanize you a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I think just... I think just balancing sometimes. So we are in the house buying process and we have been working through that and we're signing all these documents for our new house. And so we are packing like in the meantime, because there's a lot of stuff that we need to pack up. And so during some of Logan's awake time, I've been I've just been trying to pack throughout the day. Um, But realizing like these boxes can wait. What's not going to wait is this time that I have left with Logan. And so I had been doing lots of packing during his awake time. In the last couple of days, I have not packed a single box because I just want to spend time with him. But I definitely already regret the time that I've wasted working on packing or cleaning the house when that's always going to be there. And me and Logan together is not. So yeah, just something that I have to recenter my mind towards. Which is hard because it's like, but the house. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm the living dishes in it. and <laughs> the laundry and the packing and yeah, absolutely. And the bottles. All the bottles. The bottles, the pumping. There's just a lot that goes on. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Do you have a mom fail this week? I do. Oh, oh my gosh. So Ruth is on the move, right? Mm-hmm. And when I say on the move, I mean you set her down and you look away and she's gone. Yeah. And you're like, where did you go? And uh, she loves the dog. Yeah. Misha's her best friend. She has to be where Misha is. If Misha's outside, she's banging on the window trying to get Misha. And um, so cute. it's super cute. But we have not fully we've started to baby proof the house like a lot of the bigger things are taken care of. Um, and now it's kind of like, oh, shoot, we forgot about this. We're at that stage. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't think about dog food. Mm-hmm. And not even just like, <laughs> oh, she can touch it. Oh, no, she can eat it. Right. She's, <laughs> she, she loves her food. And yeah, that oral stage, everything's going in the mouth. Um and unfortunately, her pinch her grasp is great. So she just like <laughs> picks it up because we have Misha's food inside. And I had set her down to literally pour a glass of water or something super simple. And I turned around and I look over and she has like huge chipmunk cheeks. Oh. And I'm like, Ruth, like, what is, and she's just grinning at me. I'm like, what is in your mouth? And I pull out like three or four pieces of dog food. And Ruth, I, (laughs) like, part of me is like, you know what? Kids eat dog food. It's fine. She's not going to die. But at this stage, I'm like, nope, she could choke. Like, it's a, yeah, (laughs) it's a hazard. Um, (laughs) Oh, I think that would be my fails. We got it. We got a dog proof. Or baby proof the dog food. <laughs> Maybe dog oh proof my it gosh. too. But yes. Yeah. So that's my fail. Ruth is eating food. And now it's like, where do we put the dog's food? Because 
She's going to find it. She is. She's finding <laughs> everything. I'm like, where did you even get that? Like, oh, my gosh. Our Roomba has never been used so much. Oh, I lives. bet. And I it's bet. funny because we finally, Misha just got out of this stage of, you know, everybody's shoe has to go in Misha's mouth. And uh-huh. But now, and now it's, it's Ruth. The baby. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been fun. And I think right now I'm enjoying watching Ruth and Misha um, because Ruth is now finding Misha's toys. Yeah. And they go directly in Ruth's mouth, which is disgusting. <laughs> but we can say, Misha, get your toy. And she'll like really gently try to take it from the baby's hands. Oh. And walk away with it. And two seconds later, Ruth is over there taking it from Misha. So they keep each other entertained. It's it's a great cycle going. Oh, that's so sweet. They're going to be best friends forever. They are. So that's a slight win, I guess you could say. <laughs> so They're precious. I love that. But, yeah. So I was thinking, because we talked a lot about feeding this week and what that came up. A lot of conversations about Logan's cleft. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe on the next one we could talk about what that is exactly for those who don't know. Maybe answer some questions and kind of go in depth of your cleft journey with Logan. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. We'd love to share. Awesome. I think it'd be a really interesting conversation and people can learn a lot from it, including me. Yeah, so I think it's ask good. all the questions. We are open to questions. So if anybody's listening and if you have questions, feel free to let us know. I am more than happy to answer. And I don't think that there are any bad questions when it comes to asking. I think what's worse is not asking and assuming something different. Mm-hmm. Um, because really what my husband and I have always wanted to do is just strive for awareness and acceptance and People don't know if they don't ask questions. So we are more than happy to answer questions. We're never offended by questions, but we are offended if you make comments based on ignorance from not asking questions. So we would love to answer anything. Awesome. I love it. So if you have any questions, you can DM us, message us, and we will try to get that answered for you. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Awesome. Thank you for joining us again, guys. See ya. Bye.